The head coach carousel is over in the NFL. The Washington Commanders and Seattle Seahawks have found the men to take their franchises into the future. And Senior Bowl notes who's standing out this week in Mobile as the 2024 NFL Draft gets going. All that and more coming up on today's Peacock and Williamson. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson bring you expert NFL analysis every day in less than 30 minutes. Get an inside look into the NFL on the field and in the front office. With elite breakdowns, next-level analysis, and in-depth information only for the real NFL fans. This is Peacock and Williamson, and it starts now. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock alongside Matt Williamson at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Love all the everydayers. Make sure you are subscribed on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcast. We appreciate you for that. Um, as the before the NFL world descends on Las Vegas for the Super Bowl, the <laughs> NFL world descends on Mobile, Alabama first in the week leading up to the Super Bowl for the Senior Bowl. And we're going to get to some standouts there so far this week in Mobile, Alabama. Some first-round picks out there in Mobile. So it's a really good group of players, especially some offensive linemen. But uh, first, the direction of two more franchises have been set. We kind of thought it was headed toward Mike McDonald yesterday, and it became official that the Seattle Seahawks are hiring former Ravens defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald is their new head coach. And the latest now, as of Thursday morning, it is Dan Quinn for the Washington Commanders. So new GM and Adam Peters, uh, they were the first job open and the last job closed here in this coaching carousel. And it is Dan Quinn, former Atlanta Falcons head coach and most recently Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator. He's going to get a second shot at this thing with the Washington Commanders, and that is the brain trust now going forward in Washington to lead Josh Harris's new franchise of the Commanders into the future. So how do you feel about Dan Quinn being the hire for the Washington Commanders, Matt? Yeah, and the, and the timing's pretty interesting because basically as soon as we stopped recording yesterday, the Seattle news popped, and then right before we hit record today, the Washington news popped. It's like, okay, well, one worked in our favor, one we just missed. But I like it. I mean, I don't think it's a super exciting blow your doors off higher. Um, I do think it's kind of a leadoff double or a leadoff walk safe. You know, I mean, it's not a crazy triple off the wall. You know, Ricky Henderson, blah, blah, blah. I should stop with my baseball analogies before I show how old I really am. Lou Brock, you know, <laughs> but, but anyway, um, he's known as a cover three Seattle disciple, but he's really reinvented himself. They played a lot of man in Dallas, a lot of blitz. I mean, he's he's evolved with the times as a defensive mind. He has experience and, you know, and should be able to understand the CEO aspect of it and the media aspect of it. So that mixed with a lot of experience in the division now too, I think is helpful as well. You know, you know, those three opponents really well. It's it, I know for a lot of Washington commanders fans, a lot of folks out there, this seems like um, like they got leftovers here, maybe a bit of a retread, yeah. but when you look at the track record of coaches, the, the, the second time is kind of the charm for a lot of NFL head coaches. 100%. And he's a good football coach and probably deserves that second opportunity. Now he's going to get it with the Washington Commanders. And you brought up something interesting because cover three was the most in vogue coverage in the NFL for a long time. And he was there with the Legion of Boom with those Seattle defenses. Um, and he's really 
stepped back from that. Now, cover yeah, three is yeah. the most common coverage in the NFL because it gets eight in the box, and it's a good coverage against run defense as well. Uh, but Dan Quinn was kind of middle of the road this year, 38.2% cover three percentage, hmm. according to Cody Alexander, who charts this stuff all season long. You can find all of his charts and information about coverages on Twitter, at the Coach A. But uh, this season, 38.2% was just like around average, a little above average for cover three usage. Now, single high is still a huge part of his defense, but more man coverage, cover one single high coverage for Dan Quinn's Dallas Cowboys defense uh, among the top. In fact, second or third in the NFL in cover one calls 31.3% of the time. Uh, for the Dallas Cowboys defense there. So a lot of single high, but more man, less of that standard old school cover three that teams really have have done a good job of figuring out how to beat through the air, uh, but it's still a good coverage to run with eight guys in the box to to stop defenses, why it's still uh, run around the league 35% of the time, which is the uh, most common coverage, cover three in the NFL. You know, good run defense, you've got your eyes forward, it's zone, uh, but it's... um. I'm blanking on his name right now. The the guy who was the defense coordinator also in Seattle, who's with the Colts now, um, he's still over half the time, 55%, you know, way above everybody else as far as way he's in cover three. So he's running it a lot. Uh, Dan Quinn has kind of changed his stripes a little bit from those Seattle days and even at, when he was a head coach with the Atlanta Falcons, how much cover three they ran. He's dialed that back quite a bit. Yeah, and I think it just shows – that he's willing to take a step back, reassess himself, reinvent himself. I mean, we we had a lot of good things to say about the Raheem Morris hire. You know, there's been a nice long break between first coaching stint and second and done a lot of different things in between. Even Mike McCarthy's, you know, between his Packers and Cowboys stint, supposedly dug into analytics, although that might have been partially a lie. And, and you know, learned some things while you're not a head coach. So, I think it's a real solid hire. I know that's not the best phrase you've ever heard, but I think it's a real solid hire. By the way, Mike McDonald, while I'm got while I've got the coverages up, Mike McDonald's Baltimore Ravens defense, uh, kind of the opposite, one of the the fewest uh, cover three single high safety teams in the NFL. Uh, a lot more sim pressures. You'll see dropping lot, defensive yeah. linemen into coverage, but still rushing four. A lot more quarters coverage, cover six, which is. Uh, you know, cover four quarters on, on one half of the field and then um, cover two on the other side of the field. You know, so you have two, two, two deep on this side, one deep on this side of the field, which is kind of a three deep coverage. But it's, 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 it's they get to it a different way, not to get too deep in the woods of, on these coverages, but two very different defensive styles for those last two defensive head coaches that were hired. And uh, so very interesting there. And obviously with both of those teams and both of these coaches, Matt, it's all about the staffs that they hire around them, um, mm -hmm. particularly on the offensive side of the ball because they're defensive guys. Yeah, and even especially more so probably with Washington with the second overall pick, that's going to be Drake May or you know a quarterback, I'm sure. Now you wonder, does B enemy have a chance to still return or is Quinn going to go get his guys? I mean, Quinn schemed up against B enemy twice last year. Was he impressed with them? Was he not? You know, who knows? Right. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and, and I have, uh, there's uh Brian Schottenheimer is in okay. Dallas still, and he doesn't call the plays. So I don't Same know the rules yeah, yeah. on that. I know the Cowboys would say no, if they can to not let an offensive coordinator go to a division rival, mm -hmm. but he doesn't call plays. And I'm not sure if you can block it, even though it'd still be quote unquote, offensive coordinator. I think play caller yeah, sure is a that. separate deal, and I'm not sure if you have to ask permission on that 
or not. So we'll find out. Brian Schottenheimer, yeah. if so, would probably be one of the leaders just because he was working with him in Dallas there, and Schottenheimer's not calling the plays as Mike McCarthy with the Dallas Cowboys. That would hurt the Cowboys to lose both coordinators, um, even though you know McCarthy's the one that, that took over play-calling duties there. Uh, but I would have a feeling that it's Shanahan tree offense that they're going to go with because Adam Peters, Francisco, Dan Quinn's offensive coordinator in Atlanta. When he went to the super bowl, 23, everybody knows the story. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator there. And and so I would guess that's the direction they go and we'll find out what that offense ends up looking like, but that's so important. You're going to draft the quarterback number two, got a ton of high picks, a lot of cap space. Uh, That's why everyone thought this was going to be an offensive coach for Washington when Ben Johnson took his hat out of the uh, out of the ring, then I think they really had to reevaluate things. By the way, I want to talk about one more candidate next that didn't get the the Washington job that I did a little work on um, because Anthony Weaver, who's now at the Baltimore Ravens, oh, yeah. his role ends up being was a guy that was on the list. It was Dan mm-hmm. Quinn, Aaron Glenn, and Anthony Weaver. All defensive guys were the last three that they had gone through the interview process with. They ended up hiring Dan Quinn, but a quick note on maybe a future head coach next. Today's episode of Peacock and Williams City is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. At the start of every new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same questions, the same question that uh, NFL owners are asking themselves when they're going through the hiring process of finding a new direction and finding the right coaches and staff for their football teams. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that Your success as a small business all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. And when you're talking about professionals, look, I'm on LinkedIn, you're on LinkedIn. A billion professionals are on LinkedIn. That's why it's the best place. And hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy with tons of tools at your disposal. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So the coach that was not hired, Anthony Weaver, he was on the list. Defensive line coach and assistant head coach. And it was really easy to see why he's assistant head coach. Uh, when I found a couple interviews of him and, and I had to double check, I was like, yeah, it's the same guy. I remember I'm getting old, man. I remember him 20 years ago coming out of Notre Dame. You know, I remember he was a draft prospect, the D yeah. lineman, right? Exactly. Yeah, Liked him then. He was drafted high. He was a good player. He played for the yeah. Ravens, played uh, for, I can't remember who else he played for. Um, you know, but but he was had smart to, team captain, tough guy, yeah. versatile, yeah, I mean, you know? Yeah. No, Notre Dame is, you, you, you got to do something to get into Notre Dame, unlike yeah. some schools out there. Uh, pride in being a golden domer for a lot of the ex Notre Dame players because of that. Um, but he, you know, played for, I think a little under a decade. Now he's been coaching for a little over a decade. And I, I saw one interview from him talking about organizational structure and why the Ravens were so successful. And I was blown away in a three minute clip, five minute clip. Right. I, I was like, Oh my God, uh, this guy, I'm sure is blowing away interviews. Now he hasn't been a play caller on either side of the ball. So it'd be like a, you ha- it's a little bit more of a leap of faith, which is probably why Dan Quinn, he's done it. He's been a head coach. He's been a defensive play, play caller. You know, one side of the football is going to be taken care of. And, and so it's a little bit more of a leap of faith for a guy who hasn't called plays, which is why I wonder if he ends up being the defensive coordinator for the Ravens now that Mike McDonald is gone. Uh, I think he'll be a super hot name in the very near future and might get a job in the next couple of years because uh, he's a pretty impressive guy. Just listen to him. He had me sold. 
Uh, so I just wanted to throw that out there because I didn't know a lot about him as a as a uh, as a, a head coach prospect, and I had, didn't see him on a lot of lists. But he was one of the finalists for Washington, and I wanted to get to know why. And uh, I learned why pretty darn quick listening to him talk. So, um, you know, I think he might have an opportunity. He's only been a deep. I think he was an interim with the Houston Texans in 2020. He was a D-line coach. And then I think he became interim D coordinator or something like that. Um, But obviously, it's probably a huge step for him if he can call plays for that Ravens defense going forward. But Anthony Weaver, definitely a name to watch in future hiring cycles. I was impressed. I wonder if McDonald could steal him and make him the D coordinator in Seattle. I think I saw that McDonald is taking. Oh no, you're right. He could go because it, the the DBs coaching it, it, it with Baltimore. It was it was um, it was thought that he could become the DC in Baltimore. Yeah, or go with Mike McDonald to be the DC in Seattle. He ended up going to the Titans to be defensive coordinator. Okay, yeah, I knew I said something. Defense. So he got a job. Okay. So I mean the 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 Ravens are getting pillaged right now. If if Weaver goes too. Yeah, 100%. So, I mean, I'm sure they're going to do everything possible to try to keep him. Um, Let's go back one second, because I just want to throw one thing out there that I've been thinking about since yesterday's conversation with the Lions OC and the the Texans OC not leaving anywhere. I wonder if owners are smartening up and saying, if we hire a very good defensive-minded head coach like Houston and Detroit did. Yeah, and I know Campbell's a tight end, but he's not the play caller, X's and O's offensive guy. Yeah, he played offense, and he's yeah. an cool offensive guy, tight end coach, but he was not a play caller, right? Right. I mean, he's not a Shanahan schemer. You know, I mean, he's a tough guy. He's a leader. I wonder if owners are – I mean, there's no salary cap on your uh, coaching, you know, money, right. payroll – if they just tell those guys, hey, instead of going to be the head coach in Carolina, why don't I just triple your salary, you know, just to stay in Detroit for a year and run this thing back or stay in Houston for a year, yeah, run this I thing mean, back, you know? We know Slowick and Ben Johnson are getting more money to stay mm-hmm. and be offense coordinators. How much more money? That's and, it could be obscene. Yeah, it could it, it could be anything. There's no yeah. cap. They could make more than the head coach, theoretically. Yeah, or hey, we'll give you, you know, 90% of what the head guy's making. And, right. and I don't think... The two head guys at those two towns are making massive money. They're not making Sean Payton money. You know, whatever. I mean, what's a couple extra million for a billion-dollar franchise? I do find it fascinating that most people, and, and I was guilty of this as well, and you look on social media, you you look at people who cover the Seattle Seahawks, people who cover the Washington Commanders, and most people are treating the Mike McDonald hire as a home run hire and the Dan Quinn hire as like, ah, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. you're kissing your sister or whatever. Um but what's funny is Dan Quinn, when he got hired in Atlanta, was Mike McDonald, right? He was the hot <laughs> exactly, exactly. organization. Uh, really successful team and defense. Doing it. So we really don't know. And so, it, it, and uh, actually, let's go to our guy, Aaron Schatz, DVOA okay. mastermind, who, um, who was on the show with us breaking down the, the uh, conference championship teams and still pertinent for the chiefs and the 49ers that information if you want to go back and, and learn what dvoa is from aaron shots he had this to say which i thought was interesting about dan quinn so dan quinn has fielded a top five dvoa defense in all five of the seasons where he was a defensive coordinator in six years as head coach in atlanta dan quinn never fielded a def- defense with a dvoa higher than 14th coordinator and head coach are different skill sets I find that idea fascinating, kind of going back yeah, to the Dan Campbell and Anthony Weaver conversation. Is it that important if you're bringing a scheme with you? Because 
five years from now, those schemes got to change anyway with the changing right, tide right, right. of the NFL. Having the guy who can run the show from the top is still more important. I 100% agree. I mean, uh, I, I think a leader of men, uh, you know, is more important than a schemer for sure. So that leads us to McDonald. I mean, I don't think we know what he is in terms of leader of men, but I do like his path. He's the hot young coordinator like Quinn was at that point, at one point. People might not realize this, but the Harbaugh brothers kind of struck a deal, you know, a couple of years ago where McDonald was this bright and shining star on the defensive staff when Wink Martindale was there with Baltimore. So I always get their names mixed up. I apologize. It's terrible. But Ravens Harbaugh says to Michigan Harbaugh, take my guy, make him a defensive coordinator, make him in charge of the entire defense. And he was phenomenal for the Wolverines and play call, you know, everything. And then I'm going to bring him back in a year and I'm going to fire Wink, assuming that all goes well. Boom, boom. It went to plan, if not better. And he's kind of considered a defensive savant. And last thing I want to throw in with him, though, I think is interesting in this case is everyone's after the Shanahan McVay tree. Well, this guy might know how to shut that tree down. He's done a pretty good job of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Which is another, yeah. And and now you're playing him twice a year, right? Uh, or exactly. you're, you're playing, him more, playing him more than that. You're playing half your schedule probably because mm-hmm. four of those games are against the, the Rams and the 49ers. If you're the Seattle. The Rams did do well in Baltimore, but every other NFC team, including San Francisco, was overmatched by that defense. for the And Baltimore. I will say Shanahan Tree is one thing, but one of the things the Shanahan Tree has is the, the number one thing is you're just trying to find way answers and ways to beat defenses. It's not like a static thing where it's like, well, this is the scheme we run and everyone knows what the plays are going to be already. So every mm-hmm. version of it and every coach comes out looking a lot different, just like Mike McDaniel was with Kyle Shanahan every step of the way for over a decade and his right-hand man that Dolphins offense looked completely different than the 49ers offense. You know, some staple stuff, a lot of motion, even more motion in a lot of cases, some new motions we hadn't seen a lot of that a lot of teams are now using, um, you know, play action and, you know, short passing and, and a lot of that stuff, but uh, short to intermediate um, run and catch opportunities and, you know, strong run game outside zone. There's some staple concepts, but it still looked a lot different, just like McVay's does. 100%. So by all accounts, McDonald is an exciting, you know, certainly a great defensive mind. And even Michigan's defense after he left had all the principles he brought with them. And I, I guess their defensive coordinator is going to follow Harbaugh to uh, the Chargers. So what they're doing is innovative. And you mentioned it. It's a lot of sim pressures, not knowing where things are coming from. Uh, middle of the field is really strong with the Hamiltons and Roquans and yeah. Queens and those type of guys. Like maybe he gets more out of Jamal Adams than anybody ever did. Although I think he's probably a cut candidate, you know, Patrick queen, also a free agent. Could he, yeah, interesting could he yeah. follow him to Seattle potentially as well. And well, that's, and that's the thing too. So you look at why did Dan Quinn and Matabuke and why was <laughs> defense in Seattle as a defense coordinator better than his defense as a head coach in Atlanta. And then also his Cowboys defense was better than the defense in Atlanta. His head coach. Well, the guys, the Jimmies and Joes still count mm-hmm. too. He didn't have Micah Parsons with him in Atlanta. That was the thing they always struggled <laughs> to find in Atlanta was the pass rushers. And obviously they had insanely good defensive personnel in, in Seattle too. So you still got to have that. So whether it's Mike McDonald in Seattle or Dan Quinn in Washington, the they've got to also be able to you know manage the whole thing and be the CEO of the organization as the head coach. But yeah, yeah. they also got to find the players to run those schemes that they're bringing in. Yeah, 100%. And Washington in particular, I mean, especially after trading both edge guys, 
their cupboards are pretty bare, but it, you did mention they got a ton of cap space. Assuming quarterbacks at two, the O-line could use a little, but you would think most of that will go to defense. You know, I gotta imagine every yeah. resource that's not Drake May, if it's if it ends up being we're, we're already mm-hmm. plugging his name in as if it's him. We still don't know exactly, but most likely quarterback at two. Whatever the other top 100 picks they have, whatever money they're spending in free agency, there's going to be a whole lot of defensive linemen, maybe some cover guys mixed into. 100%. I mean, maybe one O lineman sprinkled in there to firm things up, but I think it's going to be DDD like crazy. And you do have the defensive tackles in place, you know, with, with Payne and mm-hmm. Allen. So, Ed, yeah. So edge guys. Yeah. Edge, yeah. Pass rush, and, yeah. And, and corners. Makes a lot of sense. You know, at least it looks like the, the Seahawks have their corners. You know, they have some other issues. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's already pretty good. You know, uh, flirting with the playoffs and, and a lot of pieces on defense for Mike McDonald to work with. They're obviously mm-hmm. a lot closer, have a veteran quarterback in place for him there. And, and I think one of the reasons that Carroll is out is they've invested in defense. You know, they traded for Leonard Williams. They gave Dante Jones a huge contract. I mean, a couple high picks on that ball side of the ball and, it just keeps getting worse every year. So there are some talented players on defense, at least in Seattle. All right. As we get close to the senior bowl game this weekend, who's standing yeah. out this week at senior bowl practices next. Today's episode of Peacock and Williamson got my prize picks mug as well. Drinking my coffee here <laughs> on Thursday morning. Uh, prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy. How easy is prize picks? Well, it's the easiest, most exciting way to play DFS. If uh, it's just you, it's you against the numbers. That's how easy it is. You pick two to six players, more or less, on their prize picks, projections, stats, and you watch the winnings roll in. We're, you're not playing against uh, thousands of other players in a pool. You're not. There's no sharks in the pool, no professionals out there. It's just you against the numbers. You pick two to six players and more or less on those stat projections and win up to 25 times your money during the Super Bowl or NBA, uh, Major League Baseball is coming. Tons of projections at prize picks to play with. Even combo projections as well and some Super Bowl specials. For example, George Kittle or uh, or Travis Kelsey. And you could combo them with LeBron James or Seth Curry with the combo three-pointers made plus receptions on Super Sunday. And a whole lot more. So download the app or go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL all lowercase for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app or go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL promo code locked on NFL for a deposit match up to $100 prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy. I got a few names here. Uh, mm, a lot of offensive linemen that are standing out. This is a really good offensive tackle yes. class. And I think there's multiple first-round picks in Mobile, Alabama at the Senior Bowl. And a lot of times, Senior Bowl is sort of the, the mid-round group, the day two, early day three, you know, and, and throughout the draft, sort of a, sort of a group of prospects. Uh, but there's a lot fewer with the NIL money in college, a lot fewer underclassmen this year. And uh, even some of them, going to the senior bowl because you're eligible uh, for the senior bowl. Now, uh, even if you uh, are an early entrant into the NFL draft in some cases, so a fascinating group and some first rounders for sure. Who's catching your eyes so far at senior bowl practices, man. Let's just stress O line, I guess. I mean, you threw it out there. There are three names to me that are wow players that I think almost are assuredly first rounders and two are tackles, but let's start with the center from Oregon, Jackson powers, Johnson. So, I watch them casually as I do all, you know, Saturday games are on, but I'm not studying it and I'm trying to know who the names are. And obviously 
later in the college season, I watch more and I watch some clips and highlights and thinking, wow, this guy moves very, very well. He's very quick off the snap. He gets the second level quickly, changes direction. I'm guessing he's like a 300 pounder, maybe 305. He was 334. I mean, he's over 6'3", at 334, and he doesn't have very long arms, but he's got a really wide wingspan because shoulder to shoulder, he's so wide, and he handles power extremely well. He's nasty. He's got powerful hands, quick hands, great feet. I don't say this often, but there aren't many prospects that you can look at and the negative column is kind of empty. His is kind of empty. It's pretty phenomenal. Uh, reminds yeah. me a lot of uh, Frank Ragnow when yeah. he was coming yeah. out of Arkansas. A bigger tackle that can still move. And uh, yeah. and he, he came up with a hamstring or something after the first day, but it was like sort of a uh, – it was a – it was a was it Deion Sanders who went to the combine, ran, and then left. It, that, that was kind of what he pulled. <laughs> just being there one day, showing exactly what he showed on tape. Already one of the top guys coming in. And if there's a center that goes in the first round, Jackson Powers Johnson's your guy. 100%. So two tackles I want to bring up, too, are Fuanga at Oregon State, who looks like a pure power right tackle but is not heavy-footed at all. Just under 6'6", 332 pounds, great hands, try to bull rush them, good luck. And there's a lot of good edge defenders down there in these one-on-one drills. And yeah, these guys get beat here and there in that situation, but rarely they win more than they lose, which is rare for a senior bowl. He looks like a plug-and-play right tackle that I'd probably even put ahead of like a Darnell Wright from last year who went 10th went overall, something along those lines. And then I think we have to talk about Tyler Guyton. I mean... Oklahoma had two tackles drafted very high last year, but you know, day one and day two. So he hasn't played a ton. And he's over six seven. He's 328 pounds. And he has like no fat on his body. He's got like a lean waist, like a you know, like a Tyron Smith type. You know, I mean, like looks like he could be an underwear model or a he power like forward. A, he looks like a, a, a an NBA player turned offensive tackle. He, he's got that yeah. sort of it's it's pretty wild to see him in pads and see how long and big he is and he's not round at all and he bends his nope. knees a little bit too which is what you worry Very about well. with all guy and it's still as you know some of the one-on-ones with guyton there's some rawness there and you can get a under the pads a little bit um but they're like taliese fuaga and tyler guyton could not be more different in what the scouting report is going to be and who's going to like them because fuaga it's like day one plug him in he's good yeah uh, he's a mauler he's going to get after it very high floor, maybe not as high of a ceiling, but a guy like Guyton, and there's a few of these offensive tackles that are going to go in the first round. Uh, there's another one I want to mention from uh, from Houston at the Senior Bowl as well. But, you know, you're, you're kind of daring to dream. You're like, oh, my gosh, if this guy hits his ceiling, his ceiling might be a lot higher, maybe a right tackle, mm-hmm. left tackle in the NFL, where Fuaga is going to get the treatment of, now nah, he's a right tackle only, and sub 34 inch arms 33 and three eighths arm length so there's gonna there's gonna be teams and we'll, we'll hear it before the draft uh fuaga could be an all pro guard maybe we like him more at guard and so i think he might fall out of the first half of the first round because of that even though he's a plug-and-play player to me and i yeah, love fuaga yeah. he'll, he'll get a little bit of that treatment but, you know does, he's not as body beautiful maybe as as someone like tyler guyton is um and uh, one more name i want to throw out there very similar height weight to uh to Guyton is Patrick Paul out of Houston and yeah. he could 
sneak into the, the late first round conversation as well. Again, 6'7", 333 pounds, 36 and a quarter Crazy. inch arms. I mean, that Crazy. is insane. That is antennas for arms. So if, if you want to dare to dream and you look at a guy who's got a seven foot something wingspan, Long arms, six foot seven, 333 pounds. And, you know, again, it's it's more of a raw developmental player like Guyton. Patrick Paul is another one. If you don't get Guyton early in the first round, maybe later in the first round, Patrick Paul could be your guy out of Houston. It's another great name because him and Guyton kind of look the same, you know, in, in terms of their length and body beautiful and power forward. By the way, what's that? Almost identical height and weight from those. Oh, two. are they? A little bit longer arms on Paul. From my observations, and again, I'm not a draft expert at this stage, but I do. I think Paul's more of a project than Guyton. He's not quite as powerful. I've seen him get beat with power a little bit more, and guys get under his pads. But I think O-line coaches are going to look at all these guys, but especially Paul and Guyton, and say, what can I turn those guys into as right. premium edge protectors? Uh, who else is standing out to you? Can I throw a, a wide receiver at you? Do it. Then- um, that I think the the Shanahan tree is going to be fighting over, and and, and he's going to go up pretty high on draft boards. And he reminds me a little bit of the draft stock from last year of um, uh, the old Miss receiver that went to Carolina. Now I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Jonathan, uh, Mingo. Uh, Jonathan Mingo. Yes. Yeah. Jonathan yeah. Mingo. Uh, he was kind of that guy. I was like, yeah, you know, he he might be a, a, a third round pick. He's like, oh, he, he went in the second round. He was like, he went higher than than we thought, kind of thing. Um. From Western Kentucky, yep. Malachi Corley, he's 5'10 and a half, 215 pounds. Uh, we always hear about the next Debo Samuel every single year, but this guy's probably one of the closer I've seen. He's so good after the catch. If you're looking for that type of player in that type of offense, uh, I could see Shanahan and McDaniel and Bobby Slowick and uh, you know whoever other disciples, McVay, and, and these guys that get um, – that get offensive coordinator jobs with new organizations, potentially from these two new head coaching hires. Uh, they're going to be fighting over Malachi Corley. And I think he's going to get into the second round as well. Yeah. hundred percent agree. Great. After the catch, very low average depth of target. Cause it's just get him the ball and run over people at a low level. Yeah. You know, that type of guy, very violent player. He blocks, he's competitive. I think people are going to be really excited about this guy. It's a great receiver class. So we'll see how it shapes out. Kind of like Debo's actually. Yeah, that was a super strong class. Not that yeah. high. The 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 first round guys weren't there, but no, the no. round was crazy. It was Debo and AJ Brown and and DK Metcalf. Uh, that, mm-hmm. that was a really good wide receiver class. Absolutely. Who else you like? Uh, let's throw one more name out there. There's a guy doing the coverage it is Toledo corner Quinion Mitchell. Yeah, he's. Over six feet, he's 195 pounds, he's very physical, he'll play the run, took the ball away a ton against bad competition, frankly. And the big question for him was, they, at Toledo, they never asked him to press. It was just their, you know, the, their defensive scheme. But he has all the tools to do it very fast, and he's been great in press coverage. And it's so hard to force incompletions in a senior bowl setting, but very few people are even catching the ball on Mitchell. I think he's a guaranteed first-rounder. There you go. A lot of first-round talent at the Senior yeah. Bowl, and uh, we will cover a lot more of the talent that is at the Senior Bowl throughout every round of the draft. And, of course, got you covered every day uh, of everything that happens in the offseason, draft, combine, Super Bowl, uh, free agency. It's all coming, and we've got you every day covered here 
at Peacock and Williamson. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen on the Locked On Podcast Network. Matt and I back tomorrow right here, Peacock and Williamson. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.